As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. From Bloomberg News and iHeartRadio, it's The Big Take. I'm Wes Kosova. Today, a friendly guide on how to save, protect, and spend your money right now. Is it just me, or does managing your money seem a little more confusing than usual right now? Unemployment is low, which in theory means jobs are plentiful. But inflation is still high, and the economy feels shaky. So does that mean it's a good time to quit your job for another one? Or should you stay put? And what about where you live? Rents are high almost everywhere, but house prices and mortgage rates are too. So does it make sense to buy a house if you can actually find one? Or is it better to hold off? And the markets? Well, they're all over the place. And oh yeah, a couple banks failed. Should we just put all our hard-earned savings inside the mattress until things calm down? Fortunately, we've got some answers from two Bloomberg personal finance journalists. Claire Ballantyne. To not panic, it's, that's really great advice. But at the same time, don't let that lead you to not pay attention to what's going on, I think. And Craig Giamona. I think the sort of YOLO attitude of the pandemic really has faded. They're here to help us sort through money decisions in volatile times. So I would say maybe don't go with the mattress route. I think one thing that's become very clear over the past few weeks is that if you have under $250,000 in a federal deposit insurance corporation insured bank, you're fine. That being said, most savings accounts in traditional banks aren't paying a lot in interest, so it could be a good time to think about other options to keep your cash liquid but still earn more of a return. Yeah, I think that that's been one of the interesting side effects of interest rate hikes is that we're coming out of an era of easy money, low rates, and there's a lot of people with money sitting in a savings account at whatever their bank is that is making nothing or next to nothing, and there are better options, right? I mean, at Goldman Sachs's Marcus, they offer high-yield savings account that have become very popular. You can get 3.75 on a savings account. And you can do even a little bit better if you're willing to lock that money up with a certificate of deposit. I mean, you can go up to 4.75. It obviously depends on the amount of time you're willing to lock up that cash. But I do think for personal finance people, people that are looking around saying, I got a little spooked by everything that's gone with the banks. They're checking their accounts. There are ways to move money from those accounts that are really yielding nothing or next to nothing and, and start making some returns on that cash. And 3.75 or 4% or better, you know, depending on which day of the week it is, you're kind of doing better than even the market. Yeah, no question. You know, it was the worst performance for the S&P 500, I think, since 2009 last year. So there was a lot of people that 
after a bull market that was running and running for years and years went to cash. And there's big debate about whether cash is trash and what you can do with your cash. There are great ways to put your cash places to earn more money. You just have to take a look and be willing to move into a different account at a different bank, perhaps. Especially if you're looking to do something with your money right now. I, at least, am not super excited about putting more fresh cash into the stock market at the moment. But looking at some of these high-yield savings accounts and CDs, it's very safe and very attractive rates. Craig, you mentioned earlier that treasuries have become popular. Bonds are often a place where people go when stocks get volatile. Should people be looking to put money in bonds? So we're coming off a year where, I mean, there's always been this rule in finance that the average person wants to have 60% of their holdings in equities, 40% in bonds. And, you know, that's just sort of one of those rules of thumb. It's been around for a long time. And last year, that was one of the traumatic things, I think, for people was that that did not perform well just because of how turbulent things are. The Fed is jacking rates. That's had a big impact on bond prices. You do have to be careful, obviously, in the bond market. You know, people will go to bonds when they're scared. So it's been an extremely turbulent environment. But bonds are an option. I mean, yields have been strong. And I think you're seeing the 60-40 start to rebound a bit, which is what people expected coming into this year. Yeah, so one thing that I think regular investors, everyday people, would be wise to take away from this is that treasuries are still very safe. Very safe and a very good way to put your money in bonds and kind of hedge some of your stock exposure. I think there's been some concern with all the banking turmoil that rates could drop, that maybe the Federal Reserve would be forced to pause their rate hikes or even cut rates. I mean, it's an open question now whether that's going to happen this year, but we saw the Fed raise again. So that should give people some feeling of assurance that, you know, treasuries are still a good place to be. And again, it's still the U.S. government, the safest thing there is as far as investment. So I think that's still a place that a lot of people are looking at as far as protecting their money. Claire, you said you don't know how good you would feel about putting fresh money into the stock market right now. Let's say you do want to put money into the market. It's a little bit lower now. What are some kind of rules of the road for the moment? When stocks are down, it's a good time to put money in. You should buy the dip. That being said, an important point to look at within that is valuation. There is a narrative that whenever stock prices come down, that means stocks are cheap. And that's generally true, but there's some nuance within that. And one important thing to note is that stock valuations have been so high for so long that even though we did have that big drop in stock prices last year, it still hasn't flushed out all of that overvaluation. There are different sort of complex measures that Wall Street uses to determine if stocks are cheap or not. From talking with a couple of analysts, I think the takeaway is that they're not quite cheap yet. It's going to take a while for valuations to really come down. That being said, you can still make money in the stock market, especially if you have a longer term time horizon. But I think just it's important to sort of dispel that narrative that stock prices dropped. So now is a good time to buy. And I think whenever we talk to financial advisors or ask them questions about how to explain this to regular people, they basically say, do not try to time the market, that this is not something that the average person should be attempting to sort of figure out, are stocks cheap? Is this the bottom? But that, you know, if you have a longer term goal, that stocks are probably part of your portfolio. There's no question about that. Yeah, I think the smartest thing to do and what advisors tell me as well is that you set aside a portion to invest each month or every six months and you do it regularly. The issue that some people get is that, you know, maybe they have too much in their high yield savings account and think I need to deploy all of this into stocks right now. Whereas doing that sort of gradual timing, I think, makes a lot more sense. 
So one of the most popular features that Bloomberg runs periodically is this article called, What Should You Do With $10,000 Right Now? I'm going to put you both on the spot. We've been talking about various kinds of investments. If you have $10,000 and you want to invest it, what would you do with it right now? One thing I'll say right off the top is buy I-bonds. I-bonds are a savings vehicle that the government offers. If you can navigate the notoriously wonky Treasury Direct website, it might be worth it. It'll take you a few minutes. But I-bonds got super popular. They're meant to protect against inflation. They have a yield that basically moves up and down based on inflation. So as you can imagine, it's been super hot the last year. People were plowing into I-bonds. You can buy $10,000 per year per person. So you could put some in your kid's name. It's a very good savings vehicle. The money is basically locked up for five years. Um, You know, there's various rules around when you could take the money out, how much interest you would forego. Again, if you have money, $10,000 that you want to protect, you want it to be safe, I think I-bonds are up there on the list of things. You know, my first answer is going to be to put it all in Dogecoin. But besides that, (laughs) I I think... (laughs) Disclaimer, Claire is kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding on the Dogecoin. But so I like the I-bonds answer. I think I'm going to go slightly different. I'm going to say put it in a CD. The reason I'm going there instead of I-bonds is that one, less time that your money is locked up. Also with I-bonds, the rate does change based on inflation. And so we're seeing inflation come down. Those I-bond rates may come down pretty soon. And most importantly, the websites for any digital bank are going to be a lot nicer and more user-friendly than the Treasury Direct website, which is notoriously something out of the early 2000s internet era. It's a great environment for savers. If there's one good thing that comes out of all of this, it's that. And Americans are going to get a better yield on their savings. We may even see that longer than, you know, this whole crisis plays out because banks get competitive and, you know, they don't want to be the first to drop their rates. So it really is the time to look and explore the options that banks are offering for your savings. I think another thing that has become a little bit in turmoil lately for a lot of people is the workplace and their own jobs. We've seen a lot of people decide to quit their jobs take a new job, drop out entirely. If you're one of those people and maybe you're thinking it's time for something new, what are some of the things you should be considering when it comes to quitting your job or taking a new one in this kind of tumultuous environment? This is another thing that really went into the spotlight in the pandemic, that suddenly offices were closed. I mean, this was a massive shift in society and culture, and people were moving anywhere, working remotely. So, and, you know, the Great Resignation was a story that got written about quite a bit, that people were just quitting their jobs. I mean, I think the pandemic pushed people to re-examine all facets of life in some cases. And there was a lot of quitting. I mean, the quits rate, which is a government statistic, was through the roof for a long time. You know, frankly, a lot of that stuff has settled down. I mean, there has been a massive amount of tech layoffs. I think tech has been the hardest hit. The headlines are, I think, a little bit scary for average people, who are sitting there, the mortgage payment is due, you know, they're paying for their kid's school, maybe the kid is getting ready to go to college. So I think there's people that are doing the financial math, and I think the sort of YOLO attitude of the pandemic really has faded, and that people are looking out there saying, you know what, I mean, look, maybe I don't love this job, but it's a job, I like the steady paycheck. From where I sit, it's a tricky time to be doing some of the risky stuff that we saw in the pandemic, because the job market has just cooled off so much. Yeah, I think the days of quitting your job without a backup plan are mostly over. 
Some people are still going to do it, obviously, but now people are prioritizing safety. They're looking more at their savings accounts. They're looking at how much everything costs. And unless you're super young and super, you know, into risk, the decision to leave your job is going to be a bit more fraught than it was during the pandemic. In some ways, that, you know, can be a bit of a a good thing in that, you know, people are thinking more about their finances. They're looking at their next steps. But people still are looking for different jobs. You know, the economy is on pretty solid footing right now. A lot of places are hiring, even if some are laying off workers. So it's not to say that no one should look for a new job right now. It's just the time to put more consideration into it versus any spur of the moment quitting like we had seen the past couple of years. If you are going to make that leap, make sure you have enough savings to do that. Make sure you have a bit of a plan. You know, I'm going to give myself this long to do whatever and find myself. And I also think take a closer look at the job market, right? I mean, you're absolutely right. The unemployment rate remains low. The participation rate, I think, has ticked up a tiny bit as far as the number of people that are actually looking for work, which is a good sign. So there's labor shortages in places in the economy, particularly in places where a lot of people got laid off when the pandemic hit. You know, but at the same time, I think you're seeing a lot of white collar jobs go away. When you think about Wall Street's been pretty hard hit. I mean, the Credit Suisse thing has affected thousands of people. The banks are taking a look at costs. The big tech companies where you talk to people whose kids are graduating college right now, it is rough out there as far as where people are going to find good white collar jobs. So to me, the job market is complicated and it's a bit of a mixed picture. I would just think about it like Claire is saying, think about it a little bit before you take that leap. When we come back, is now a good time to tell your boss you want a raise? Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Claire, for a while there was a lot of talk about how working from home in jobs you can do that would be the new normal. 
But many employers are now demanding people come back at least two or three days a week. So is that kind of a thing of the past now? A lot of people during the pandemic had jobs in cities maybe, and then they moved out to Boise or Cleveland, and now they're working remotely, which is all well and good. But say you want to quit your job then, and you're still living in Boise or Cleveland, a lot of employers now aren't as keen on remote work. So maybe you'll have more trouble finding a remote work job than you did in the past, or you have to find a job in the new place that you're living. So it gets a little more complicated, especially if you have moved. Is now a good time to ask for a raise? Always a tricky question. I think this was another pandemic trend, another thing where the great resignation, people felt free to leave their jobs. And I think part of the reaction with inflation running as hot as it was, was that companies were saying, I'm going to pay up to keep talent. So there was leverage. People were getting big raises to jump to new jobs. That's a big reason why it was happening. And then you saw the reaction of, okay, I don't want to lose this person, so I will give them a raise. I mean, the answer to this question is tricky, but I think the bottom line is you have to take a look at what's going on out there with white-collar work and how many people are getting laid off. I mean, I think the reception to the raise request right now is going to be a little cooler, tepid, however you want to think about it, than it was a year ago, two years ago. Yeah, well, and the counterpoint to that, I would say, is that some people may be thinking it's going to get worse from here in terms of the job market and the economy. So do you put the ask in now or do you wait six months when we could be in a recession? I think that's also on people's minds. And, you know, that's not to say everyone should go ask for a raise. But if you think you deserve one and you're going to ask at some point, you know, I think it is worth keeping an eye on these trends in the economy. If you are at a company that has had a round of layoffs and people are gone, you're probably doing more work. You know, the bottom line is that if you're left standing, if you survived, maybe you're doing a job that two people used to do. And also, by the way, if you survived, that means that you made the cut. So I think, again, if you're doing the job of two people, that's something you always have to watch out for and talk to your boss about. It's just that the vibes have definitely changed here the last six months, and it, it is a tricky time. Claire, how much should people have sort of saved if they can to prepare if they lose their job? Yeah, so most of the experts that I talk to say it should be a bit more than maybe you had in the past. The standard advice is three to six months worth of living expenses. That's sort of the the gold standard to always have as a cushion in case you lose your job, in case something bad happens. That being said, we know from some of the studies out there that a lot of Americans just don't have the ability to do that. So anything is better than nothing, I think, is the takeaway. Uh, Some people just don't have the ability to put extra money away like that. But if you can, having a bit more in your savings or a bit more in some kind of cash-like instrument, this is where high-yield savings accounts can come into play. Extending that to nine months worth of your living expenses, even a year, can be super smart just in case, you know, you do happen to lose your job. Sometimes, you know, younger people might not need to have as much. They, you know, have more flexibility, less dependence and things like that. But in general, I think now is the time to look at your savings and your emergency fund and maybe boost that if at all possible. Someone said to me that a way to reduce your expenses is Go through your credit card statement and look at all of the things that you're subscribed to. Figure out which ones you can do away with. Maybe that's only, you know, 10 bucks a month, but that really can add up. And I know I'm subscribed to lots of things that I've totally forgotten about. (laughs) 
Craig, going from work to a little closer to home, a lot of people now are trying to figure out renting versus buying. It's a tough calculation to make. How should people be thinking about that? Yeah, it is very tricky. That's another one of these classic personal finance questions, rent versus buy. You know, there's the old uh, idea that if you're renting, you're flushing the money down the toilet. You're not building any equity. The bottom line is that it is very, very hard to buy a house right now. You know, with what's happened with mortgage rates, I mean, mortgage rates were down around 3% for the, the better part of two years, you know, and you had a whole host of people across the U.S. refinanced to 2.75. And so the problem with that is those people don't want to move. So people that refied in the pandemic, you know, they might not love their house. Everyone finds things they hate about their house. But to take out a new mortgage now at six and a half, that just doesn't make any sense. So the fallout from that is that it's very, very hard to find affordable homes to buy. There's a tremendous pent-up demand from a millennial generation that was a little slow to get into the housing market. But, you know, unless you have a very big down payment, it's just a tricky time. There's not a ton to buy. You know, the markets in the suburbs of New York and Boston have stayed extremely hot, you know, places where the job markets are doing well. So it's a very tricky time to buy for all but a very few people. Rent is high, too, but I just think that there's a lot of people that you just have to find rent that hopefully you can still save money while renting. That is really the move. Well, and then you have people like of my generation, I'm 26, and, you know, they're looking at what they're paying in rent, which is, in New York at least, extraordinary. And the dream is to buy a house. But, you know, we just talked about savings and how hard it is for people to save. You know, you're trying to come up with a down payment for a house, even if you can swing maybe the monthly payment. And it, it just feels impossible to save up that much money for that. After the break, is sinking your money into a house still a good investment? Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. <laughs> 
So for people who are fortunate enough to actually have the money to buy a house, traditionally houses have been a very good long-term investment. Is that still true? Like, can you still get your money back and then some with a house? That's another reason why nobody wants to sell right now or why people don't want to buy right now is because, I mean, our home price is going to fall another 20%. I mean, we're still in this bit of a limbo phase where the economy, by some measures, is on solid ground. There's certainly some distress signals out there, some warning signs, but there's a feeling that this could get really bad. I mean, I think the message you get from experts about this is, look, if you're going to buy a house, you better be willing to live there for a while. The days of a quick flip where it's just going to go up by $100,000 in two years and you can move on, that seems like it's on pause at the very least, that a house is still going to be a good investment if you're looking for a place to raise your family and you're willing to live there for 15 years. It's probably still going to pencil out despite the elevated rates. But things have changed, and you do have to be careful about making that decision. I mean, the other big thing is that we have a massive generational housing shortage in this country. There is simply a shortage of places to live. There's not enough apartments. We don't build enough. Zoning is a problem. There's not enough houses. So I think that's an argument for on the longer scale, home prices going up because people need a place to live and we just don't have enough in this country. Yeah, I've definitely heard talking to personal finance advisors that if you're buying a house and you're thinking it's your forever home, you're going to be there until you retire, then of course it makes sense to not be paying money in rent if you're going to do that. But especially if you may have to move for work, that's where the calculus gets kind of hard. Claire, Craig, we've covered a lot of ground here. If you were to give somebody one piece of advice to kind of put in their pocket and take with them, what would it be? We always joke a little bit on the personal finance team when we call up advisors. The first thing they all say is, don't panic. Easier said than done in times like these when you're seeing headlines about bank collapses. But, you know, I think the thing that you take away from talking to advisors and reporting on these stories is just that this is a long-term thing. You know, it's not really about some quick way to make money in crypto, or there's you know, there's really no way to game the system, right? It's a sort of a steady-as-you-go strategy. So that's what I take away from sort of the don't panic advice, which is that it should be a long-term game, and it's very difficult to time the market, and you just have to be rational about this and save as much as you can and put that money in places that is safe and can get you some yield. Yeah, and I would say it's good to just take a look at, at what all you're doing. The set it and forget it method is really good in a lot of ways, and it prevents you from, you know, maybe making mistakes because you're panicking, but also just be aware of these things. Be aware of what's in your 401k and what kind of yield you're getting on your savings accounts, where all of your money is in these different accounts, and how much you are planning to save for the future. Claire Ballantyne, Craig Giamona, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to us here at The Big Take. It's a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And we'd love to hear from you. Email us questions or comments to bigtake at bloomberg.net. The supervising producer of The Big Take is Vicki Bergolina. Our senior producer is Katherine Fink. Rebecca Chasson is our producer. Our associate producer is Sam Gebauer. Hilda Garcia is our engineer. Our original music was composed by Leo Sidrin. I'm Wes Kosova. We'll be back tomorrow with another Big Take.
To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.